Hey, welcome to another episode of Marketing with Pager. Today I'm joined by Kieran, who's the Marketing Director at Marmalade Marketing. Kieran has got a background in recruitment marketing in-house, um, and now he's on the agency side, so it's really good to get his thoughts on how to get your sales and marketing teams working closer together. Hi everyone, thanks for joining me for another episode of Beer with Darren. I'm still on the MS Lager, and tonight I'm joined by Kieran at Marmalade Marketing. Uh, Kieran, what are you what are you drinking? I'm on a bit of an old school favourite of Heineken. Uh, I don't know if that's good, bad, or indifferent. I'd usually be on some kind of craft beer if I could get hold of it. But in these lockdown times, you've got to you've got to get what you can, uh, you've got to take what you can get. Yeah, I mean Heineken's changed a lot. Have you been to the Heineken factory in Amsterdam before? I never have actually. I've been to Amsterdam once. Um, I didn't really get much time to to tour breweries, unfortunately. No, what what were you up to? I don't know. In my younger years, some might say I, uh, I enjoyed a smoke, but that was <laughs> no questions asked. No questions. Asked. <laughs> <laughs> I think if if any uh, if any recruitment agencies in Amsterdam are watching, uh, me and Kieran are happy to come over and pitch to you together. Um, yeah. We can definitely put out work expense whenever you want. So and it, <laughs> it would give me a chance to get to that brewery. Yeah, it's a cracking brewery, it really is. Um, so before we get into everything, do you want to give a quick uh, intro to yourself and, and your background? Uh, I think it's really interesting that now you're almost at a tech marketing company, we'll come into that a little bit more, yeah. um, but you were a marketing manager in recruitment beforehand, so yeah, over to you. Yeah, yeah, that, like you say, Darren, that, that was my background up until September last year, I was an in-house marketer, always at recruitment companies, uh, apart from a 10-month stint in a law firm. Um, we won't talk about that too much. 10 months as a tenure pretty much says says it all. Um, but yeah, the, uh, September last year joined Marmalade Marketing, a specialist agency uh, delivering marketing, all forms of marketing to recruitment agencies. So uh, it's quite a jump to finally go agency side, having been in-house for so long. Um, but I'd always kind of had interests from from when I was studying to actually end up at a creative or a, a digital or a marketing agency. So finally uh, achieved that goal, I suppose. Um, and yeah, the, the, I suppose my career progress within recruitment companies was very much tech focused. I think the first job I ever did, I got handed the the keys to the website because no one else in the team really knew how to do anything on it. So. I always got pigeonholed in that digital marketer kind of remit and went from there. So, so like you've just touched on, on then part of my, um, I suppose, remit when joining Marmalade was, was very much operational and kind of implementing some of the stuff, processes, systems I'd learned uh, through building teams in-house over to an agency side. But also speaking to our owner Joe about the the influence of tech and how us so the future of Marmalade growing it needed to be across the the two disciplines if you will so the the creative content the graphic design that Marmalade had, had achieved already and were implementing for their clients but for me the future was we we had to have some tech involvement Absolutely. And I think we'll come on to the tech bit after. Obviously, my background is, is tech and I want to delve into that a little bit more. Won't be yeah, too yeah. Under pressure, but um, actually, it quite it leads nicely into a conversation we were having just before we pressure called. Um, and it was actually to do with my marketing and the fact that 
if we're being honest, I haven't studied marketing. Um, yeah. I've, I've fallen in as most, you know, I need, tend to fall into most things I do. I didn't actually pass IT at college, but went on to be a CTO. So, you know, these things happen. Um, yeah. um, but you mentioned that my marketing is a little bit different to other people's. And I just wanted you to go back through that because I thought it was a really interesting topic. Yeah, I, did, I said it earlier. I didn't want you to take it the wrong way. Um, <laughs> but I'm glad it resonated and I'm glad you understood what I was what I was saying. So I think what I've recognized in, in what you've been doing is traits of uh, someone with a development background. So I've come at it from totally the other way where falling into the trap. I suppose it's a natural characteristic of a lot of marketers to be perfectionists and that often hinders delivery and you're worried and people who've used email marketing platforms as a marketer will always fear that trepidation of pressing send. Uh, the little sweaty monkey of MailChimp always nailed it for me because that's how you felt um, or how you still feel. I still do some of that. So um, what I've seen through your marketing of your personal brand and the pager brand is very much a willingness to to actually execute an idea without worrying too much about it being the final finessed polished iterated version of something that's been tested behind the scenes you've definitely come across as someone who's willing to test the water and then when i've you know once i got to know you and spoke to you the first time and understood your background the two things just just really stood through the fact that you've you've worked in software development for so long that's how you've made that successful. You've thrown it across to the people that use it. And if it's not worked out, you've learned from it. Whereas marketers would be too precious, not all marketers, but a lot of marketers will be too precious and kind of, they'd want to run so many tests on it with people that they trust before throwing it out to the wider market. I think you've done the opposite. And that's not to say the branding or anything's not good. Um, you can just tell it's it's good enough to go to the market and that's what it needs to be rather than it's got to be perfect. Yeah, I mean, we went through a whole rebrand. Um, obviously, we came to market as content app, rebranded yeah. The reason for that rebrand was we got it completely wrong, right? We don't just do content. We don't even have an app. So we, we took the decision to rebrand. Uh, yeah, um, I that. I, you said that the first time I ever spoke to you on the phone uh, and I was like, fair play. I, we actually put an article out yesterday about business leaders assessing their strategies and having the ability to go you know what we got that wrong and you've kind of just summed that up yeah i mean we've got we've got a bunch of things wrong right but we've also got a bunch of things right and even even this the beer with darren's now this is really raw and if you're listening to this on the podcast i apologize because these aren't the best mics um, and there's probably you know some tinniness to it. We're using Google Hangouts because it's the easiest way to yeah. press record. But what's what's really interesting is that I'm with you. I think the best thing you can do in marketing is just to to try stuff, try them, and, and accept that some things won't work. And yeah. it was it was funny. We had um, Janine Owen on here last week, um, and that was her top tip on getting sales and marketers to work closer together: is trial and error, but bring them involved. You know, make sure they're informed and make sure they know that this might not work out, but we're trying this together as a team, as one unit, and we're going to measure the results and we're going to change what we do. Yeah. Um, and it's it's kind of, we've always taken the same way. And then before we had, uh, I was chatting with James Whitlock, um, who's another recruit marketer, um, and he had a big fear of going on video. And I said to him, well, 
the first thing you should do when you go on video is just do a one take rule. Just take the video, put it out there. And what you'll realize is if you don't get it perfect, yeah. nobody will mention Nobody's going to say, oh, you said the um word five times there. Nobody <laughs> cares. Yeah. yeah, I've probably said it more than five already. <laughs> what's, your, what's your take on video on LinkedIn? Do you do, do, you do much video? I, this is, other than, um, I suppose, a properly, I, I had the fortunate scenario at Evolution, my last in-house marketing job, where I hired an extremely good videographer. So having him in-house meant that all video was really polished and i appeared on one kind of uh, employer brand video saying about three words outside of that this is the first time i've been on video on anything that's going to be aired publicly so that probably gives you an insight into how keen i am to to film myself or uh, get on camera i think this kind of video i can deal with Filming myself and I don't know the 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 kind of narratives to a camera and putting that out there. I, I've yet to kind of overcome that that fear of what people will think of it. Um, I'd kind of had a mind on doing something podcast or appearing on a podcast because it was just audio and thinking, oh, that'll be fine. Um, no one can see the silly mannerisms or whatever you're doing, but that's just a um, either a self-confidence thing or a vanity thing. I think a lot of people would fear as well, but it's just so prevalent now the the um, self-film video and stuff on LinkedIn that I'm I'm probably missing a trick for my own personal brand. Yeah, it's funny. My my first video, by the way, was 30 seconds long, and it took me two hours to film. <laughs> Uh, and now, now it's literally if I've if I've got something to say, Zach, uh, our marketer in house, um, says to me, "Oh, I need a video on this," and it's literally one take, sending it back, and he he does his magic in, um, well, he's got loads of different tools, but mainly, um, yeah, uh, Premiere, you know, all this stuff. Yeah. Um, if anyone is, is listening to this and they're thinking, oh, "I really should do some video," my advice is just to get your camera out and take it, and realize it really won't be as bad as you think. It, it won't. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or, or, or like. What, like you've touched on there, Zach, he actually messaged me today, a uh, really nice message about the webinar. Um, the the advice for me, having worked with a videographer in-house, would be they are brilliant at what they do. So even if you just do the raw stuff yourself and you can get someone to put, I don't know what they describe it as, but like an intro and a, a, an exit clip, that always kind of put a bit of polish on it. Um, sorry, my yeah. dog's just whining away next to me. Come here. Uh, it's all good. What dog have you got? Um, this is Orwell, the Marmalade Chief Happiness Officer. Wait, he's gorgeous. I think we can give him a <laughs> shout out. I, I adopted him when he was five years old. He's now 10. Um, yeah, and he's never far away from my side. And one of the benefits of working for a, a nice marketing agency is when we were allowed out of our houses, uh, he used to come to the office with me every day. So. Um, he's he's a firm team member. Yeah, I think it's brilliant. I, I I really want a dog. I've never been allowed a dog. My mum said no. Um, then my sister got two cats. I didn't think that was fair. Um, turned out I'm allergic to cats, so yeah, that was a double. Uh, yeah, yeah. And I mean, quite, quite snide cats as well. They're a little bit sinister. Oh, we're getting controversial now. But I can think <laughs> they come in, they eat their food, and they go away again. That's it. Look They're at like him. A teenager. He's getting comfortable now. He's right behind me. Um, 
Yeah, I, I suppose I'm kind of the opposite. I'd grown up with dogs. I've always had a dog. And when I lived on my own, like if I was ever living in a flat or an apartment or whatever, I never really had an issue with it. But when me and my wife bought a house, it just felt weird walking around a proper house without a dog because that's how I'd, I'd grown up. So the first mm. thing we did, I suppose it's that typical uh, trial run before you have children. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I skipped the dog bit. <laughs> you went straight in at the deep end. <laughs> Maybe I did. Um, so coming back to coming back to recruitment marketing, um, uh, smart recruitment marketing. I'm going to call it for this episode. So recruitment marketing. Yeah. If you go back to your in-house days, what, what was your biggest frustration um, in regards to working with sales? Um, it's going to sound really flippant, but not just let us get on with it. We know what we're doing. Don't question everything we're trying to do. I would never have questioned the way you introduced yourself on that phone call. So every thing that could be criticized about marketing tended to get criticized. Uh, maybe that was oversensitivity, but it was always, and I hear this a lot. Um, I think all marketers have this same opinion. Everyone who's not a marketer thinks they're a marketer so it's so subjective opinionated and someone's always seen it done better um, but never joining the dots between that better having a more skilled team bigger team more uh, a bigger budget let's face it um, I can still remember a, um, a former board member asking me why the website couldn't be more like apples and it's it's things like that 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 level of criticism where it's like well you're the cfo <laughs> you're the cfo you tell me why it can't be like apples um it yeah it, not hired it, the design. <laughs> exactly it was like you've hired me um <laughs> you yeah yeah you pay peanuts you get monkeys um it yeah what that that was the frustration um and i only learned can't even i think it would have been uh, not to uh overly name drop but the the ceo at evolution my last in-house role gareth morris once told me if you don't involve people at the outset don't expect them to buy in when the results come even if the results are positive because they don't feel part of the idea um yeah and i was like you know what especially with salespeople that really resonates because a marketing campaign might take time to plan, time to execute, and any results come into fruition. A salesperson's moved on 10 times since that started. So if they weren't even involved in the starting point and they're busy with something else, they'll have no interest. If you can get their buy-in at the start, there's a lot more chance that when the results come and you remind them of how that campaign started and it was uh, them that formulated the idea or planted the seed and give them the the credit for that you get so much more buy-in at the end um and daft things like have you followed up with that lead well if they were involved in setting the parameters of that campaign then they're way more likely to follow up with that lead um that I, I did so many campaigns where I was like behind the scenes and then just expected leads to be followed up on when let's face it, a job title and an email address might just be perceived as a another person. 
by the recruiter. It's funny you say that because one of the top frustrations out of our survey that we're running at the moment amongst salespeople is that marketing give them um, um, unqualified leads. That's that's they don't believe the leads from marketing are the right leads. And yeah. if actually, if you look at the flip side because we're running another survey amongst marketers. Their frustration is that mark, um, salespeople don't follow up on the leads. Yeah. So there's obviously a disconnect there, um, and it's, yeah, it's yeah. interesting. Yeah. And is that your number one tip for for solving that problem? Then is to get the salespeople involved from the very start. A hundred percent. You've got to ask what it is they're trying to find. So if they're hammering the phone or sending emails or however they're trying to reach out to their target market, you've got to know that target market as much as they know it. So if you don't sit down with them and understand that, you just you're just guessing. And then you'll execute a campaign with a guess. And even if it fits your guess perfectly, if that guess was wrong, then how can you expect the salesperson to do anything with it? Um, so we did it. A former colleague of mine used to have a really good approach. She ran a lot of the paid campaigns. She would just sit desk side with the consultant and go through the parameters of the search. And a lot of the re recruiters, when, when she did that with them, were like amazed at what you could and couldn't do when it came to targeting. So if it was B2B stuff, the way we could target people on on LinkedIn with the content. So a sponsored content post to a marketer doesn't seem like rocket science, but a recruiter who's fast-paced and only using the tools that they use uh, daily or the tools that they've been told they can use suddenly realize that they can get this particular content, which may be uh, a video of themselves in front of their very target audience even that level of kind of attention of sitting at their desk and going through that campaign setup, they were then ringing her like 8 a.m. the next morning. Have we got anything? Have we got anything? And that just proved that it built uh, buy-in. Buy-in is the best way to put it. Um, if you stay sat in the corner and distant from them people who are going to make the sales, then they will always perceive you as the color and in team to borrow a phrase from every other recruitment marketer or every other marketer um yeah absolutely and, and it's interesting you say that as well because everything you're saying is resonating so much with the the, the feedback we're getting from the market so uh, around around 30 percent of sales people say they don't speak to marketing at all um and wow. a further 20 percent say once a month that's incredible yeah, and, and I think the key thing is that com communication is key in everything. And everything in business, everything, what I, I learned this quite early on actually, is everything is actually sales. Although I was a techie before, I was a developer. Yeah. Every single thing you do in, in work is, is, it all links back to sales. So if you think about even my sprint planning meetings where we're talking about features, we were going to build that, that, that week. And, you know, somebody else across the table has got a different way of they want to implement that feature. So what yeah. I'm actually doing is setting against them and somebody in that room is going to decide which one of us gets that business. So yeah. no, I don't think I ever did sales for 10 years. I absolutely did on, you know, every two weeks in that spring planning meeting, I did sales. Yeah, <laughs> I really did. Um, and what um, what we've learned with Pager and, and, you know, we said right at the start that we've made some mistakes. And because I haven't got a sales background, we, we made some mistakes in the early days. And one of them actually, the probably the biggest mistake we made was doing top-down sales. 
because I'd, I'd read so many ebooks and watched so many videos where they said you need to do top down sales you get to the decision maker they're the ones with the money um, and what actually happened was the ceo bought in the ceo was we're doing this and then what happened was they passed pager to the marketing manager and the marketing manager went well i didn't choose this uh, what, what what's this um, so, so we were facing that what else else out there? yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, you've just spent my budget. What's going on? So actually, they, people brought Pager into the business, the CEOs. Then it yeah. got to our implementation team, and there was like this brick wall where the, the marketer didn't actually want to work with us, right? So we we recognized it early on, changed it, um, and now we, we work with marketers. And, you know, if marketers want us in their budgets, fantastic. If they don't, they don't. You know, we're not, we will never go over a marketer's head to a CEO to say you need to use Pager because yeah. we know it won't be successful. Because you, as a marketer, you know what you want, right? And you're going to put us into your strategy or you're not. That's yeah. fine. Um, and it's just something we learned early on. It's very similar to what you just said about the marketing in-house working with the sales teams. If you don't go to the people that will end up using your products, using your leads, and yeah. get them bought in from the start, you will fail long-term. You might get some short-term wind. You might get something in your budget. You might do this. But in the long-term, you will fail. Yeah, I totally agree. I think that approach, um, it's really interesting you say that because uh, like we said before we started recording, we, we're not we're different companies but not too dissimilar in approach. And one of the things we do uh, because it feels more natural is our approach to sales. I've got another point on sales and marketing and it all coming back to sales. One of our approaches is our business owner is the one that networks with other business owners. And I network with other marketing managers or heads of marketing, maybe a director. And our marketing managers and our marketing assistant network with the equivalent there. So it's almost like a really lightweight version of a account-based marketing. If we see a technology company or a technology a, recruitment company who operates within technology which is really our core market it's not about hunting in packs as such we'll just try and connect with the people that match our understanding of the day job if that makes sense so joe's content is very much advisory towards a business owner or a director within a recruitment company mine is more narrow it down a bit it's your head of marketing your marketing manager i want to be connected with them people because that's the job i've done and then the same for the rest of our team we want our managers to be dealing with marketing managers and our assistants to be dealing with assistants because we speak in similar languages and we're, we're all doing similar jobs or have done similar jobs and i think it it makes sense to do it like that because if rightly or wrongly what what you described there where let's say there's a seed planted at board level and a director or business owner all of a sudden says we're going to bring marmalade in they're going to do some content for us or they're going to be your outsourced agency to help you out imagine the marketing assistant or marketing exec that's never even heard of us hmm. my nose would be put out of joint if i was in house and suddenly i'm being told to work with a specific agency um so we try and approach it in the way that well they, they should already know who we are um it might not be a perfect approach but if we've built relationships up throughout the team with different people we'd like to think that if it came to a pitch process or whatnot 
we can take anyone from our business and they'll know someone at that business. So not to give away our strategy there, maybe I already did, but. <laughs> no, well, I've definitely given away mine. Um, and you know, if any, if any clients are, are listening to this and you did get pager forced upon you, I, I sincerely apologize. Um, you know, you uh, don't, you don't need to apologize. It's probably the best investment they've made. Oh, love you too, mate. Love you too. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh yeah, yeah. Just, um, sorry, you're, you're better at the questions. I'm getting a car carried away because I already had a couple of beers before we uh, started right. chatting. A couple of beers, put you on video. You don't shut up now. It's good. <laughs> <laughs> the the other frustrations I want to run through, and I want to get your I want to get your opinion on. Um, actually, these quite nicely. So one of the top five frustrations was that they felt marketing lacked industry knowledge. How how prevalent do you think that is? And is it because I've got a theory that actually people they don't, they don't invest the time in the marketer when they join the business to actually bring them up to speed on the industry? Um, but how knowing that that might be the case, how can a marketer combat that? And how can they actually find out about the industry for themselves? So uh, the recruitment industry or the the industry the the recruiter operates in. I think both. I think both because I think you need yeah. to understand the salespeople. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? Because I've seen the, the perspective of the marketer that comes into a recruitment business and doesn't understand recruitment, uh, which is fair enough. It's, it's pr is it unique? Is anything unique? It's relatively, there's not many similar industries, is there? Let's face it. Um, but then the, the knowledge of the recruiters, the industry that they supply, uh, because I've seen plenty of recruiters that that genuinely don't understand the industry they supply and don't really put any time in to understand the industry they supply. Um, yeah, I've heard some some funny wrong ways of saying software developer names and and all sorts over the years, and they've still managed to make placements somehow. Um, but it is that the email messages I get for um, you know JavaScript developer roles now, and I, I look and I think, well. If you check my profile, I did JavaScript development seven years ago, um, and I've not been a developer for five years. Yeah. Even I know JavaScript pretty, it moves pretty fast, and I also know it's nothing to do with Java. So, hey. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, yeah the, not knowing the industry, I suppose, not knowing the recruitment industry, anyone joining it now so as a recruitment marketer they've got so many resources where they can almost educate themselves or upskill to that so i think in the past where textbook marketing or the marketing from other industries a marketer joining and then recruitment throwing them off guard because it's like god this is a bit weird and a bit different well, really, if you come in as an assistant or even an exec, there's plenty of resources now. So the podcast we all listen to, the groups we're in and stuff like that, none of it's guarded. We're all pretty open at educating each other and, and sharing knowledge. I think that's that's definitely shone through over the last few weeks in this lockdown with uh, quizzes happening and no slagging off of recruitment consultants at all. That, that's been really nice to see amongst these groups. Um I think if you were completely new and needed to learn recruitment marketing, the resources are there. So I think any ambitious marketer would, would find them out. In terms of marketers finding out about their recruiters 
industries. It's really tough to, to say why you wouldn't do that. So unless you're a real high street brand or big ticket recruitment agency where they're just in so many different verticals that it would be nigh on impossible, um, I don't know. I don't think there's any excuse for not learning the industry you're in. I, I can still get away with a lot of the, the IT stuff um, in terms of having an understanding of the market and even oil and gas from it's years since I've worked for an oil and gas recruitment company, but I'm still switched on to things you hear in the news and understanding of, of how that's happening. And I, I do definitely think that there's a job for a, a marketer to do in a lot of the social listening or online listening and informing their recruiters what's going on or at least giving them the tools to enable them to listen to their own market. So I think a lot of it's by proxy. By doing jobs like that, you educate yourself in the market they, they work in. Um, you'll probably, I don't know if this still happens, but dealing with job boards that are niche in that industry, you pick up things from them and the, um, you know, they tend to have news sections and whatever. So I think proxy is a good way to put it. By trying to help your recruiters out, you will learn their industries. Um, and you can always ask them about it as well. I think that's a, that's a very foreign idea. You, you mean have a conversation? What? Yeah, yeah. No, don't get me don't get me wrong. It took me years to crack that nut. I was the I, I was an introvert, sat in the corner, shitting myself because, good God, have you seen them recruiters? They don't sit down; they're just shouting all the time. I was like, leave me in the corner and let me learn about SEO. Um, <laughs> eventually, eventually, you start to you start to realize that the best results you're going to get is like we've touched on already, the buy-in, understanding what their problems are and helping them solve them. And it's just uh, the train of thoughts made me remember the point um, you made earlier about it's all about sales. I think if you rebranded sales as um, short-term sales and marketing as medium and long-term sales rather than marketing, you'd probably all get along a bit better because marketers get frustrated that sales have got no patience and sales get frustrated that marketing don't do it quick enough. If you pitch them as two different things on a timeline, I think there'd be a commonality of understanding then. Because marketing for me is medium to long-term sales enablement. It's not. You can do quick fix things to get a message out, but for me that's more communications than marketing. Absolutely, and and one of the things I always find interesting is, is I think we always separate sales and marketing because that's the way it's always been. It's one of those things where, well, this is this is how I knew it before. And if you think about most recruitment business owners, they were successful recruiters before. So yeah. they 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 if you say, well, this worked for that company I was at. I'm going to mirror that. If you were starting a recruitment agency today and you had budget for say. 10, 10 heads, how would you split that up and would, how would marketing be involved from the very start? Oh, wow. That's interesting that you've actually put it in humans um, or heads. Because I've, I've had that thought of if you started a recruitment agency, how many people would you actually have versus the tools and technologies you would have? 
Um, well, let's go. For, let's, let's go for that. What would you, if you were starting a recruiting agency now, what would you do? Because we we've got a, a a client we're working with at the minute that you can't help but think I would do it like that. The the keeping the sales headcount relatively low. Um, the two owner operators of the business are still hands on recruiters, but they see that as um, not having there's no long-term future in that for them they can't replicate they can't hire people that can replicate what they've done and i think that is a, a failing of a lot of recruitment leaders is just thinking they can replicate what they've done and the business will scale at the same pace and i think the technology investment is where you scale you you have to still have that human element um, and you have to have people it's the best way to describe it doing the the important stuff so the changing jobs or even looking for a new job can be life-changing and i know that's a real cheesy recruitment cliche but it can um but not enough recruiters get involved with that that part of the process they're too involved with all the other bits and pieces that happen higher up the funnel so for me it's not necessarily about marketing but automating the processes in the right way leave the really good human interaction as the full-time job for the recruiter so don't expect them to be using too much tech get people to use the tech that know what they're doing to line up the human element for the people that do the the face-to-face -face or over the phone or video the best um i'd probably you know what if it was headcount i'd just go 50 50 right now five sales and it's five. interesting the whole five sales five five sec completely agree by the way and sorry go on sorry i'd say like five sales like pure people that can nurture a, a human to human relationship and close deals versus five people that are either tech or marketing that can create a infrastructure of um, I suppose high-performing marketing, nurturing, and underpinning the business that the other five people do—that would be my fifty-fifty split. And I'd split that fifty in half, probably. So half tech, so two and a half tech, two and a half marketing, and then five sales. But I think over time that would force you down to like three sales, hopefully at some point. And that's not—that's not, that's not um, trying to, uh, I suppose belittle salespeople at all because i think there's a lot of crappy salespeople that are salespeople because they have got into the wrong job or whatever um whereas i think the really good salespeople would be even better if they've got the right tech stack and infrastructure behind them and it's funny because i was reading an article the other day about ai replacing recruiters right and the bit you've just described is the bit that tech could never replace uh -huh. The ability to close a deal, the ability to build that personable relationship, because people buy from people, and I don't think that will ever change. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like the um, the annoying self serve checkout, isn't it? Like eighty, ninety percent of the time, it's absolutely fine. But when it starts shouting at you, you you straight away look over your shoulder and try and find a human to help. You don't try and fix it. You don't really read the error message. Sometimes it just tells you to take the last item back out. And you just 
you freak out a bit and look for a person. So I think that that analogy to me is like, yeah, that that is where you still need a human. You can't just automate everything. And let's go through the last point of these salespeople's frustrations. And this is a point that's quite close to home for me because obviously at Pager we get salespeople to share marketing content. And the fifth largest frustration the is that market- you've done the whole <laughs> already. Well, the frustration for sorry, the frustration for the salesperson, I should say, is that they're made to share irrelevant content. Yeah, yeah, I t- I do sympathise with that. Um, why would an IT recruiter who's developing a business and a personal brand in a specific market suddenly be sharing? A piece of content or a blog or a white paper that's totally irrelevant to their market just because the parent brand the business has created that or more to the point the marketing team within the business has created that so the everyone must share this because our logos on it i totally understand why that's not the right way to go i wouldn't do it if you're trying to develop a personal brand um recruiting let's go back to javascript because it's on javascript developers and you want them to uh, move to sweden so you're creating content that attracts javascript developers to move to sweden because it's a great place to live and there's loads of opportunities why do you want your uh, guy who's doing dotnet jobs in the northwest sharing that content it yeah and i think it comes down to and, and uh, no, and it's only that this came up to number five. That's the reason we're talking about it. I think it comes down to the, often the delivery mechanism. So many of the clients we talk to, they send an email around the office to say we've created this piece of content because it's yeah. the only way. That they can. Obviously, a big part of what we do is let people segment people by location, department, um, custom tax. But I think I think you can do it without pager, right? That that email around the office. If you take a little bit more more time about it and actually say create email group or these are the people that do front-end development these are the people that do legal recruitment rather than do an email around the office saying could you all like and share this yeah spending more time segmenting everybody getting to know everybody as you said from the start and you'll see probably an increase in share rate but also you'll get less of that complaint i think is number one yeah yeah i agree we we, i think one of the things we, we it was an education piece as well it was like like and share are two different things and even educating people on that as daft as it sounds was it'd be great if you could all like it because it's not doing any damage to your market as such i don't really understand the ins and outs of the algorithms these days but sharing surely puts it in front of your market whereas liking it you're acknowledging it rather than force feeding it to other people um yeah so that education part uh, yeah i think you know my feelings on pager i think it does a great job of solving that problem so yes it can be done without it but then you'd have to start questioning the time invested in doing those setting up of those groups and the infrastructure involved would it be worth the gains of of what you get that's what that's why i think the product is so good at what it does because it it takes all that fuss out of it where if you an internal team tries to separate every post by team or whatnot rather than taking that blanket approach of everyone should share everything um 
yeah, it, it is a difficult one. And I can understand from a salesperson's perspective why it makes no sense for marketing to be telling you to share everything. Amazing. Well, I won't, I won't come any more on that, but if you want to uh, get a demo, it's www.pager.co. Um, right. <laughs> Moving on <laughs> to, uh, actually, you mentioned it just before we got into the last point. So that's that's our five frustrations amongst salespeople, um, and that, that downloadable piece of content will be on our website shortly. Um, but what you did talk about just a second ago is automation and how if you were starting an agency, you would bring automation into it. Now, we nearly finished our beers. I'm, I've, I don't know about you, but I'm nearly empty. Um, uh, yeah, snap. <laughs> I do. Before before we go, I do want you to chat a little bit about um, Arm and what Arm is. I know you're running webinars and you've got a fantastic offer on at the moment. So before everyone goes and we finish our beers, do you mind just giving a little bit about what Arm is? Uh, no, not at all. It's a it's a pleasure. Thanks for the opportunity to pitch. I'm no salesman, but we'll try. Um, so Arm. Uh, it fit nicely into Marmalade. So. The, the letters fit nicely, and we were looking for marketing automation, recruitment automation. So automated recruitment marketing was born. Um, and the, the thought process behind this is I don't think there's many marketers in recruitment companies out there that want of considered marketing automation, want of wanted a system that can, can help them implement and run um, I guess a program of marketing automation. Um, but then when you look at the market, there's nothing specifically tailored to recruitment. You'd be using a, a inbound platform or a marketing automation platform that was relatively generic and anyone, any industry could pick up and use. So it's almost taking the principles that those systems have, have used and making it more specific to, to recruitment. Uh, one of the, the, I suppose, the main ways we're trying to do that is, again, going back to marketing and utilizing things that resonate well with your sales teams and aligning those two things is salespeople can get quick access to people via LinkedIn and they can unearth their email addresses. They can make cold approaches. Marketers are almost like the flip side. They, they instilling the the thought process behind inbound and long-term nurturing and for me that's that's still a huge disparity because especially in recruitment sales want things quick marketing people are asking for patience there's a middle ground where you do utilize some of the techniques the salespeople are well versed in but you then be a bit more um savvy in how you 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 first introduce yourself to those same people. So it's not a cold call, it's perhaps an email, but it's more of a marketing email and it's more of an informative piece of content rather than a, do you need to hire anyone? Um, so it's it's almost like blending the two processes. So we're generating B2B contacts to outreach to with informative content in their industry underpinning all that is your email marketing your social media scheduling um nowhere near as advanced as pager obviously um and those things within one platform and system i genuinely think having done the job of an in-house marketer where you're dealing with an email marketing platform you've got a website cms you've got your 
CRM system embedded in the company. Um, all these different website tracking, so things like lead forensics. If you've got all these different bits of kit and then you're the person or team who has to then try and marry up all that data to inform a sales team, you're going to really struggle. So if you've got to that position and thought, right, email marketing, social, paid, website traffic, all of this intersection of data, if I can put that in one place, then I'd be able to inform my sales team so much better. Ah, but the big stumbling block is these things are quite expensive. And the other one for me is the uh, lead time, literal lead time of actually getting sign off putting the product in place, then filling it with content, then getting it up and running. Any marketing manager trying to do that at a recruitment company, you're looking at 12 to 24 months, in my opinion, from planting the seed of getting a marketing automation platform to getting the buy-in and investment to getting actual end results, I'd say it's 12 to 24 months. That might sound alarmist. Um, but just because it's automated doesn't mean it happens tomorrow. So the premise with ARM is to couple that front end sales technique, bring in more prospects, and then put them through the, the content uh, marketing nurturing plan that I suppose HubSpot have embedded in everyone's mind as the right way to do it. So it's, it's a marketing automation platform that thinks like a recruitment company essentially. Amazing, and you've got a, a webinar and an offer on at the moment? Yeah, so the, the, we 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 have genuinely rushed the product out as a we were working on it with a couple of our current clients as a as a test case, and we did want to bring it to market probably quarter three this year. But with the scenario we've all found ourselves in, our view was, look, it's not the finished product, but it works. It works perfectly well. Um, we would rather get recruitment companies using it if it gives them a, a chance to either do some business right now or at least help them with their plans for what happens when we finally turn the corner later this year. We've all seen recruitment bounce back from recession in the past. And when it happens, it's usually quite a exciting and productive time. So our view is get people using the platform now with a view to lining up their pipeline and prospects for, for later this year. So yeah, any recruitment company that wants to use the platform and help us develop it can access it for three months free of charge with our support, no strings attached. Absolutely amazing. And I, I think you've been quite modest there where you say it's not quite ready. And I, 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 what I would say to you is if you're using Force 24 right now or people like that, give it a go. What, what have you got to lose? And uh, I know Kieran would really appreciate your feedback um, as, he, as he tries to improve the product. So. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, thank you so much for joining. I'm I am empty now, and it's eleven o'clock at night. But uh, thank you so much for your time, and and thanks to your dog for making an appearance. <laughs> You're welcome. Thanks for having me, Darren. I'll speak to you soon. Thanks.